This is the LAW Podcast Series with Peter Gowers, the podcast to connect LAW members and have some fun talking about their personal and professional lives. Hello there and welcome. This is the LAW Podcast Series. My name is Peter Gowers. On this episode of the podcast, we are off to South America. It's our first podcast series episode in South America. And we're going to Mexico City to talk to Miguel Gallardo, a socio or partner at BGBG Law Firm in Mexico City. Miguel, welcome to the LAW podcast series. Thank you so much uh, for the invitation. And we're very happy to be part of this project and, and well, to talk about our firm and, and our practice as well. Well, it's always interesting when trying to coordinate uh, any sort of meeting between Australia and South America. So uh, we're actually talking to each other on different days. Yes, yes, indeed. That's that's the, the beauty of international interaction. It sure is. So let's get into it and um, talk a bit about you personally and, and where you're from originally. Thank you so much. Well, I'm, I'm originally a member or was born in the city in the north side of Mexico uh, called San Pico. Uh, but many years ago, I decided to move to Mexico City uh, and then to study law and, and became a lawyer in Mexico. And now I have been in Mexico City for many years, for more than 30 years uh, and 20 years at least as partner uh, of the law firm BGBG in Mexico. Right. So the the town that you're from originally was that a small a small town, or what? What was the reason for moving from there to the big smoke, so to speak? Yes, it's it's, it's a smaller town, not very small. We're talking about one million people town. Oh wow! Uh, it's a city uh, in the north side of Mexico, and and there's a lot of practice of lawyers, and there's a lot of uh, commercial activity as well. Uh, but I decided to move to Mexico City because I wanted to study in the mayor uh, law firm in Mexico and then uh, continue my practice in the law firm in, in Mexico City as well. But I still keep a lot of friends and, and good, very interaction with people here and even clients uh, as, a, as a local from Tampico. Uh, I have very good connections. And, and that's also very useful. Uh, Tampico is in the north side of Mexico, very close to, to the United States, in this case to the state of Texas. Therefore, there's a lot of interaction with, uh, with Mexicans and the citizens of the United States all the time. And that's also a very helpful interaction of cultures and, and it was an amazing experience. Mm. What's the distance between uh, Tampico and Mexico City? The distance is around, I will say, 400 kilometers. Uh, driving, it takes you between seven to eight hours. And by plane, it's a one, around one hour and a half at the most. 
Right. And, and you mentioned that um, it, your original town is about a million in population. Yes. But what's, what's the population of Mexico City? What's the difference? No, the, the difference is huge. Uh, Mexico City is one of the largest cities uh, in Latin America. Uh, we're talking about 25 million uh, people in Mexico City. Therefore, in comparison to, to a city as Tampico, it's uh, huge. Uh, probably the main the main cities in Mexico as a country are Mexico City, uh, then as well Monterrey, and then Guadalajara, or three main uh, cities in, in the country. But then you have uh, plenty of also important cities uh, located all around the country, including Tampico in the north side of Mexico, that is close to the Gulf of Mexico. That's one of the advantages of Tampico is you have the beach, uh, mm -hmm. sun and, and it's a very relaxing and a very nice place yes i think um one of the things that uh, the western world has very much become aware of in recent years is some of the beautiful seaside towns that you have around mexico yes yes and now with uh, with all the experience uh, from covid and what we have experienced in the last years Many people uh, are moving around and, and really uh, trying to experience uh, other cities uh, in the country, in the north and in the south as well, uh, taking advantage of, of technology and, of course, working uh, abroad without any, any problems as, uh, as we experience now with, with technology. Uh, so that's also a huge opportunity. Firms and people are moving around and yeah, and there's a lot of opportunities there. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of uh, you personally, Miguel, uh, you said you moved from Tampico to Mexico City to study law and to become a lawyer. What inspired yeah. you to choose law as a career? Well, that's a very good question. Uh, I would say uh, mainly two things. Uh, probably the first one is uh, try to to follow uh, justice as a value. Uh, I always try to, to do the best possible and, and, and becoming a lawyer was a natural way to, to follow that uh, idea, that value. And the second one was to really help people, uh, to really help uh, my peers, uh, people I know, and, and to try to resolve problems. I remember myself, at high school with that idea, helping people mediate, uh, you know, be surrounded by by people that need help. Um, and that was probably the two main reasons why I decided to, to study law at that time. Two very honorable reasons. Yes, I, I, thank you so much. But I remember also at that time I was between becoming a lawyer or becoming a psychologist. Uh, I also, I, I really love and appreciate personal relationships. I, I really enjoy people very much in trying to connect with people, know people uh, all around the world. And I have been very fortunate about that possibility. Um, so I was between lawyers and, and psychologists. At, at, at mm. the end, I decided becoming a lawyer and I'm very happy about the decision. But I, I believe I could also be a, a good psychologist uh, 
if I had decided at that time uh, the other the other possibility. I'd imagine that um, there'd be times when uh, within your work you would be playing the role of both lawyer and psychologist. Yes. I'm sure. <laughs> yes, that that is true. Uh, and also, if you think uh, of becoming a partner of the firm and interact with many lawyers uh, simultaneously, you need to to really be very good with people uh, to really try to to connect with them and interact and to understand people and to allow you to to really help everyone to interact, work together, uh, pursue the same goals and balance life, you know, become, I strongly believe you can become a leading lawyer in your practice area and also have a very nice family and a personal life and development as well. So that's, that's a huge challenge. And, and I fully agree with you. You, most of the time you, you are a lawyer and a psychologist as well. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about your areas of practice. Uh, what time, uh, what sort of, um, areas of the law field do you spend most of your time practicing? Thank you. Uh, well, my practice area is related to to banking. I do a lot of finance and a lot of compliance, uh, including anti-money laundering, uh, mainly providing services to financial institutions uh, in Mexico and abroad. Uh, we work a lot with banking institutions, with insurance firms, with brokerage firms, uh, a specific type of financial institution authorized in Mexico known as SOFOM, that is a multiple purpose uh, non-banking financial institution. And also we are very active now with technology, what what is known in Mexico and internationally as well as fintech entities. Uh, those are financial institutions that provide financial services uh, using electronic means. Uh, and now with technology, we have plenty of players uh, providing services locally in Mexico and also internationally uh, from abroad to Mexican citizens. So th those are my practice areas. I have been in practice for for many years now. I've, I've been very specifically partnered at the firm since 2005, now 17 years. And, and that mainly in my practice area, most of the time in banking and finance, even though regulation has changed, uh, but but my practice remains the same in, in compliance, anti-malaloutering, finance and banking. I imagine it would be particularly interesting uh, dealing in that sector, uh, particularly in a country such as Mexico, which, you know, certainly has its uh, well-known challenges and yeah. I, I picked up on the anti-money laundering, you know, the second you said it, because I imagine, you know, while it's it's important in all countries, I imagine in Mexico it, it'd be specifically very challenging. Yes, indeed. It's a, it's a huge practice and it's very challenging for several reasons, uh, uh, our location is one of them. We we are we have a key uh, local position, I will say, internationally. We are very close to the United States, one of the main uh, economies worldwide. 
Uh, and we also are connection for Latin American countries. Uh, there's a lot of activity, uh, and therefore there's a lot of need to to be aware about antimony laundering to, to prevent uh, any any type of criminal activities that could be related to financial institutions. Uh, and even though this has been an effort internationally, I, I fully agree with you that that Mexico is. Uh, a key player in, in compliance and anti-money laundering because there's a lot of activity uh, in many sectors and we need to be very careful about how to promote the, the economy, the financial sector, but as well to protect uh, such sector uh, related to, that could be related to, to, to criminal uh, activities or to, to money laundering. Have Mexican banks um, had had challenges themselves in uh, connecting internationally with other banking networks as a result of the the unique challenges that Mexico has? I will say yes. Uh, although Mexican banks are are very well structured, uh, probably you are aware of most. I would say not all, but most of the banking institutions in Mexico are related directly to international banks, meaning in Mexico, most of our major banking institutions are subsidiaries of international banks, such as Citibank, such as HSBC, uh, as very Spanish, and most important Spanish banks as Santander or BBVA. Uh, therefore, those uh, banking institutions in Mexico are very very active and know very well the international regulation in order to conduct transactions internationally. Uh, and that has been a huge advantage for, for Mexican, for the Mexican sector in general, because they, they really pursue uh, compliance. They try to implement best practices as much as possible. And even though it's a huge challenge because there's much uh, to do in that respect, uh, they, they have, in my view, I will say, uh, conducted a, a, a correct approach uh, to the problem and to the challenges related to, to international transactions. Mm. Do, do you feel that um, things are improving in that regard as well? I will say yes. And now with new players in the sector, as, as FinTech I was mentioning, uh, it's amazing because now you find much more players than before, and, and therefore the traditional financial institutions need to move forward, and, and they are doing uh, what, what they need to do to, to become more effective, more efficient, more diligent, uh, because now the players are not only in Mexico, there are international players doing business mm. globally. And and I will say they, they have uh, they are doing the correct things, uh, but even though it's a, it's a huge challenge, and and I will say now not only financial institutions, also you find uh, commercial in technology companies uh, internationally. We also provide services to them. They are providing also financial services, so are trying to interact with the financial sector using technology. And, so therefore, there's much more need for advice, for development, uh, for continue implementing best practices, 
for sharing information. Uh, that's one one of the big things I, I also believe from this uh, association from LAW to to promote more interaction between lawyers so we can share best practices internationally and help each other in this process because the clients are not only local anymore. Uh, no. Not anymore. And, and that's a huge thing. And, and I believe it's a great opportunity for everyone to continue development, but also it comes with huge challenges uh, and need uh, from everyone to, to continue studying, analyzing, uh, sharing information, reading a lot, uh, etc. And what about digital currencies? Uh, and you mentioned you're absolutely right with regards to uh, you know, just just banking and finance now. It's it's a global marketplace. But yeah, uh, the the creation and and adoption of digital currencies is is that making things easier or or more complicated for the sector in in Mexico? That's a very good question. I will say complicated, but it, it, at least in my view, in a good sense. Uh, meaning, there's new opportunities to develop new business markets. Uh, in Mexico, for you to, to know, but we have uh, regulation that uh, talks about cryptocurrencies. There's, uh, in 2018, there was an, a, a law enacted uh, related to fintech institutions, and in such regulation or such law, uh, some articles uh, make reference to, to cryptocurrencies uh, and new technologies. Um, but and the idea at that time was to promote that possibility uh, for the Mexican market. But after a couple of, almost a year and a half, uh, the Central Bank of Mexico decided to issue a, a ruling, uh, slowing down the process and saying, well, cryptocurrencies is reality. Uh, cryptocurrencies, we know that is... Uh, that is going to, to be here and it's going to continue. Uh, however, uh, at this moment in time, they decided not to allow financial institutions to promote or to use cryptocurrencies and to offer those cryptocurrencies to the public in general. Uh, the only possibility was that uh, financial institutions could use cryptocurrencies internally, internally for for own transactions with an authorization of Bank of uh, Mexico of the Central Bank of Mexico. However, what is happening in Mexico is that commercial entities are using cryptocurrencies because they are not regulated uh, financial institutions. Uh, right. Because even though the Mexican market is is, is concerned, and I will say the Mexican authorities are, are trying still to understand advantages, risks, possibilities, and and are still analyzing how to regulate and to promote cryptocurrencies in Mexico. The, the market is developing and, and commercial entities are very active with, with that possibility. We recently uh, advised one of the major retail companies in Mexico uh, and structure uh, all the, the regulatory approach in order to allow them to receive Bitcoin yeah, and, and sell products in the Mexican market, and that has mm. been huge. Uh, and and the authorities are concerned, but they cannot do nothing because the regulation applies only to financial institutions, 
uh, and therefore the issue a anti-money laundering uh, regulation applied to commercial entities requesting commercial entities to conduct a registration but that's still developing uh so there's uh, huge challenges there to continue analyzing cryptocurrencies in the local, mm. local market. I feel like the um, government authorities and uh, the 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 institutions we'll call them, such as the banks, I feel like they're going to be dragged to the table, kicking and screaming whether they like it or not. <laughs> yes, and I believe that has been the the case in many countries, not only in Mexico, uh, but there's still many things to learn there's still a lot of analysis to be conducted and i strongly believe that there's need for more regulation uh, but but not traditional regulation more regulation yes. in, in a better approach uh, trying to promote the market but to protect clients and investors uh, as much as possible in order to avoid you know some cases as in recent uh, in the usa you know that which yep. happened with some traders, but uh, I strongly still believe that, that the market is here to stay, uh, and and they need to evolve as well. The financial authorities need to be more engaged and, mm. and to really understand that this is still to continue. That the international uh, interaction requires the use of cryptocurrencies, and there's a lot of possibilities there. Yeah, not that my opinion counts, but um, what you just described is exactly how I feel. Uh, the The lack of regulation right now is the problem, as we saw in the US, as you said, with some of the trading platforms. So what a lot of the people who are heavily invested, um, and I, I don't just mean financially heavily invested, but, you know, emotionally and time as well, uh, you know, a lot of them promote the fact that, uh, cryptocurrencies or digital currencies are, are unregulated therefore they're not um, bound by a lot of the same rules and regulations of for example banks might be but when a trading platform falls over that that's when you need some form of regulation so I mean exactly that same camp they do need to be regulated but the beauty of them is is their purity, without regulation so yeah good luck trying to work out you know what the fine line is to get that right but that's that's what it seems to need because at the moment you have as you just said you've got every country is bringing in its own rules and regulations and to be honest they're probably adapting laws from decades ago that wouldn't even know what a digital currency yes. is so yeah, it's, that, it, that is the case and if you regulate uh, uh, I would say the sector too much then you affect the sector directly and yeah. if you are afraid of the sector instead of promoting uh, new commerce new technologies and interaction you stop the sector and, and it makes much more uh, complicated the development mm. Sector, so that the balance is 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 going to be very important. Yeah, uh, in yeah. try to to really develop new regulation, not using traditional rules and, and laws. That uh, what that those laws were correct uh, for other uh, practices, but now there's mm. much more need to 
to evolve and and really understand the sector in order to to regulate the sector correctly. Yeah, yeah. So your legal area of practice is is that something that you got into by choice, Miguel, or did you get into that by default? That's uh, also how many good questions. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would say honestly. I would say uh, half and half uh, uh, in life, uh, things are present. Uh, you try to do your best and, and and you try to experience, at least going very specifically in the law practice, as much areas as possible. Uh, but I remember uh, I started practicing finance uh, when I was at law school, last years of law school. And it was very funny because I, I remember I had a, a a class of banking and finance with a very important professor that was member of the bank, the Central Bank of Mexico, at that time. And I enjoyed very much the class, and I remember uh, studying very much and and doing my best, and I I got A plus uh, at that class. Mm. And after a while, like a year after a just class, I remember a law firm called me. Uh, I was at home uh, during the weekend, and someone called me and said, well, I'm calling you from a specific firm, and we do banking and finance, and, and we, want, we are hiring uh, law students uh, at this time. And, and you were recommended by one of our good friends that is currently a professor at law school uh, in Mexico City. Uh, and I was very impressed, very surprised about the possibility, and I was lucky enough to start working at that time in banking and finance. And, and since then, uh, I continue to, to continue. Well, I continue to practice, I'm very happy. So I will say it's both things. You try to do your best. Uh, Try to enjoy and, and learn as much as you can. And and then you start knowing people and, and those people usually help you, recommend you, or lead you in the process uh, to continue your, your development. And so that's why I will say it's half and half. Uh, mm. And that's usually how I believe works in life. So it's always nice to get a recommendation from a, uh, yes. a lecturer that you look up to as well. Absolutely. And, and it's amazing because even more, if you don't ask uh, that recommendation, you're not looking for it. It, it just happens. Uh, yeah. And, and that's so nice. So I, and I feel very lucky. I really, all the time, uh, remember such experiences and and that's why now i try to do my best to help young lawyers to develop and try to teach them uh, the path and, and the way to practice and how you need to to be very effective and and move forward and and, and try to do your best and because that's a way of, of development i believe in. and if i was lucky enough to be helped at that time, the, the, the least I can do is to help people now. Yeah, and you mentioned before um, you touched on uh, what you perceive your role as a partner within the firm to be. And obviously, um, partners in law firms 
uh, a given responsibility for their area of law, and I imagine uh, responsible for P&L and things like that as well. But um, do you see your role as a partner uh, playing a mentor role with younger lawyers as well? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I I have been at the firm in in many areas uh, regarding management uh, and as founding partner of the firm and as founding partner in the banking financing compliance practice area. Uh, I'm involved also in in helping young lawyers uh, to develop, uh, also to teach them how to to connect with your clients, the importance of people. Uh, I strongly believe that that we interact with people, not with companies, mm-hmm. uh, and I encourage them to to really interact with people, to really know each other, to be very honest, uh, to pursue values and and to work as hard as possible to to achieve the goals. Uh, if we are lucky enough to be hired by, by by someone that needs our help, the least we can do is to try to do our best to, to provide the best service possible uh, and to interact with that person and, and help. And so yes, yes, I'm involved and I look forward in the future. Uh, currently, I'm, I'm and I'm full disclosure, I'm 49 years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm still, uh, there's plenty of things to do forward. And, and I see myself helping and teaching young lawyers and, and practitioners to to continue work at the firm. Mm-hmm. And tell us a bit more about uh, BGBG, Miguel. Uh, obviously, we've heard about your practice areas, but what other uh, areas of law do BGBG operate in? Well, in Mexico, we, we are a leading firm in Mexico, located in Mexico City. That's our main office. Uh, we also have a, a subsidiary in the north side of Mexico in the city of Querétaro. And also we have a, a representative office in, in Madrid, Spain. Uh, our firm has been in practice for 22 years now, and we're lucky enough to, to be a leading firm in Mexico. Uh, we currently are 14 partners, uh, and in total we are like 88 people. Uh, we have several practice areas, and we are very well recognized in, in for example, in telecommunication law and technology. We have a huge practice in data protection and privacy law. We also have a huge practice incorporated in merchant acquisitions. Uh, we have a great area related to intellectual property, uh, and trademarks. Also, we, we have a huge area in litigation and alternative dispute resolution. So we, we cover, we're a full-size firm. We cover uh, the main practice areas uh, as a law firm. And that has been very helpful for for clients. Clients usually try to find law firms that can can really help in all practice areas and have one place to 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 be connected. And and that has been BGBG with with the possibility of different areas. And also as a firm, and I'm very proud always to say that as a firm, we, we have a very good combination of 
being one of the, well, I would say, leading firm in those areas uh, with huge practice, but also a very personal firm, a very human firm, try to, to be a balanced firm, really promoting uh, all our lawyers and practitioners of the firm to to become leading uh, lawyers in, in several practice areas, but also to, to be very human, to be uh, to be very family orientated uh, mm. and, and to develop personally. And, and that's why we are a very successful firm. I would say with that view of, of being very well balanced, uh, you tend to be very attractive as a company, as a firm. And we have many lawyers that want to become partners at BGG. And the huge challenge for us is to always continue with that idea, with that policy or, you know, those grounds as, that make us uh, become what we are now uh, to continue in the future and never lose uh, those ideals. As, as yeah. as. Very good ideas to have. Yeah, thank you. Look, let's park the legal stuff for a moment and uh, talk a little bit about you personally. You mentioned before you've got a family and children. So uh, what are some of your personal hobbies and things that you like to get out and do when you're not practicing in the law? Thank you so much. Well, what I do, well, I enjoy my family very much. Uh, but my personal hobbies, uh, besides... Uh, enjoying life with my family, with my kids and my wife. Uh, I enjoy very much uh, running. I do a lot of running, well, as much as I can. Uh, and that's very nice and I really enjoy it very much. And I also like uh, soccer, uh, football soccer <laughs> in Mexico. And and I also volleyball. I, I practiced volleyball when I was at high school and I I continue. I continue doing some volleyball as much as I can, and, and that's very useful. I really appreciate the practice. So, is the, uh, volleyball was something you got into uh, at university. I was high school at l those years, last years of high school, and then university. Uh, I did uh, practice uh, volleyball as well and, and soccer, and, and I still uh, try to practice uh, as much as possible. Volleyball is one of those games that, uh, or sports that uh, you see, particularly, um, I think, during the Olympics and, and yes. certain international competitions. And it, it's, it's one of those sports that I think – is a lot more complicated than people realize when, when you know, the, yes. trying to get the ball positioned in the exact right spot so <laughs> the big, tall people at the front can do their work. Yes, and it's, it's a, I will say, a game that is based mainly in teamwork and it's very fast. You need to, to have very good reflexes uh, to try to, to win and, and interact with your team members to to get the results and i always have been very very active and besides running i very much enjoy uh, team games i was in players uh, working with teams and interacting with people and mm. that for me has been very important during the years 
And volleyball's hard enough on its own. I, I want to know who's the crazy person that decided let's now move that to the sand and play beach volleyball as well. <laughs> yes, that's making, talking back now, like cryptocurrencies, making finance more complicated. That's, it's the same with sports. <laughs> yeah, correct. <laughs> yes. That's exactly right. Well, Miguel, we when we um, first connected, you mentioned to me that uh, BGBG is just a new uh, member firm with LAW. Um, yeah. But I guess we wanted to, on this podcast, give each representative an opportunity to talk a little bit about uh, LAW and, and whether it's a, a person or people or firm that they've dealt with that uh, they'd like to make a mention of or, you know, uh, somebody who may have inspired you. But also, as you're a new firm, um, just talking about, you know, why BGBG uh, decided to join LAW and, and the benefits that, that you saw for doing that. Well, well, I would say, uh, first of all, first of all uh, as you mentioned, we were new uh, members. We're very happy to, to well be designated as members uh, for, for Mexico, specifically for Mexico City. Uh, and I really, and I strongly appreciate the help. I remember one of the leading lawyers that was involved in this process was Lori uh, Salgertz. And, and her was, she was very, very helpful, uh, very honest, uh, very diligent and objective in the process. And, and for us, uh, that was very, very important. And so I, I really want to, to recognize her uh, and really thank uh, for this opportunity and for letting us uh, apply and to conduct all the process for, for this application, well, for this application and then interaction with the association LAW. And what I believe and we believe as a firm is uh, we have a lot of interaction with international clients uh, doing businesses in Mexico. Uh, and as mentioned before, now we have seen there's much more uh, global activity with uh, commercial entities and financial institutions. And because of that, clients in Mexico require us to, to be more connected with international professionals with the, that have the same practice areas uh, that have the same values uh, uh, the same ideals uh, as firms and that can provide service internationally and because of that we decided uh, many years ago to start conducting a, a very complete research about possibilities how to to achieve uh, those goals and after very much investigation, we concluded that LAW was the best choice because of the of the type of firms that were involved, the the people that was involved in this association, the view of how to to promote interaction uh, among firms, and and we decided to go for it and. and 
And that was very, very unique for us. Uh, and it was very successful. And we are looking forward to to interact very much with international firms and to really recommend our clients to work with those firms that are related uh, with LAW. Uh, and for us, it's the most important thing to help our clients to do the best as we can for them and, and to connect them with with other service providers in other jurisdictions that can also provide well, the best service possible. No? So that was the, the idea, uh, the approach, and, and we're very happy with with the results uh, so far. Yeah, I'm, I'm really um, interested to hear, that, and I'm sure uh, every member firm does it, but just the way you articulated the fact that, you know, you decided to go down this path and that you did a lot of research as to the best way to do it. Could could you just just briefly give a snapshot as to what were some of the deciding factors that, that made you choose LAW? Yes. Well, we, I will say going back, we, we have a lot of interaction with, with international associations. We are, for example, member of the International Bar Association. We attend uh, several forums uh, related to our practice areas. In my case, the banking, finance, and anti-money laundering. We are a very, very well-known uh, firm internationally uh, that provides services in Mexico. Uh, we, we are known as a leading law firm in Mexico, and that has been very helpful. But when we decided to, to become a member specifically of an association, uh, what we started to, to search is first an association that that really promotes law firms. Uh, there are really leading law firms in, in every jurisdiction. Uh, for us, it was very important to, to, to create or to promote uh, connections with, with similar law firms as BGBG. Uh, there are plenty of, of, I will say probably not plenty, but there are some uh, associations that are trying to, to, to promote interaction, but they don't really uh, work hard enough to make a good selection of the firms that are related to those associations. Because uh, you have uh, several cases. You could have a, a, a good firm in, in a specific jurisdiction, but a not as good firm in another jurisdiction, or a very huge firm in one jurisdiction, but a very small one in, in a different jurisdiction. So there's, first, there's no the same type of service and the same type of uh, values of expertise and if you want to become a, a member of an association, what you try to find, at least what we did, is to find a, the best association that has the same type of firm as much as possible in all jurisdictions, meaning trying to interact with the leading firms in, in those jurisdictions in order to be able to recommend and to, and to be sure that the service that your client is going to receive from those firms in other jurisdictions at least it's going to be the same service that, that you will be providing in your home country. Uh, so therefore, trying to, to be very strict in, in such an analysis for us was very important. And when we found uh, LAW, we, 
we were very happy at, at last to find uh, we found the, what we believe is, is the best uh, association and the best interaction uh, of firms with those criteria. And, and that was our, our main our main research and conclusion. Mm. Uh, thank you for articulating that because I'm sure that uh, Laurie and the team would, will appreciate it and the other members. And you know, something you said makes total sense that if you're going to be uh, interacting with people and and therefore recommending uh, other firms within the group, you know, you, you want and would expect that the level of service that you would give uh, would be the same as uh, that other uh, member firms would give to your clients. Yes, absolutely. I, I always make fun with my younger lawyers, but it's, I always, uh, I will say, compare uh, lawyers to doctors. It's like saying when you are recommending someone in your family to mm. be helped by another doctor, who are you going to recommend? It? Uh, yeah. See, that's saying more or less the same how I see the legal profession is the commitment you need to have, the, the, the team you need to have. Uh, you can be the best doctor, but if you uh, conduct surgery by yourself alone, it's not going to be the same as if you're a member of the, one of the best hospitals in, in town. Uh, mm. Because you need uh, not only the best uh, practitioners, but also the best teams uh, to provide the service. And if we are recommending our, our clients, and if we are very honest, what, what I was saying before about really trying to, to, to provide the best service possible, to be very close to them, to, to promote interaction, if you're recommending them to, to, to different uh, law practitioners, you need to be sure that those have at least the same level uh, that, that your clients need for for success. Uh, and, and that's a huge challenge because someone could say that that's very easy, that the only interaction is what is needed. But but no, I will say what ALAW has really, among several things, but to have done very, very well is to have a very well-structured uh, selection team, a, a very well-structured corporate governance, a, a huge process of, of selection and authorization and analysis of of all the, the members of, of the group. And, and that's what we believe is it's very important and it was one of the key reasons why we decided to, to become members uh, with you. Miguel, I thank you very much for your time and for chatting to me and uh, for joining me on the podcast. Thank you so much for this opportunity and, and as well for the time and all the questions. And, and I hope that I was uh, helpful and, and useful uh, as much as possible. That was Miguel Gallardo, Gallardo, I should say, socio or partner at LAW member firm BGBG, located in Mexico City in Mexico. I'll catch you again on the next LAW podcast series episode. You've been listening to the Lawyers Associated Worldwide podcast series with Peter Gowers, the podcast where LAW members go one-on-one -on -one to discuss their professional and personal lives. More episodes coming soon.